Hello, my name is Branson. I'm an urban planner and a farmer. A lot of the time, those two things seem like polar opposites. Let's change that. Welcome to Center Left Right, where I explore pragmatic solutions to radical problems. This time I wanted to hear from the business side of the food supply. So I sat down with Flor Carajoa to discuss Sitwell's Act Two, the community-minded coffee house and top-notch restaurant that she and her husband own. They opened the business recently after taking over a previous generation of the Sitwell's experience from the owner-operator who had been running the business for over two decades. Flora and her husband Alex teamed up with esteemed Cincinnati chef Kyle Scrimshire to transform the menu and bring new flavors to the neighborhood business that has, forever since I've known it, worn its values on its sleeve. We opened six months ago, and so we are learning as we go too. So well, this model that I have now might not function in an ear, or, you know, like this our first approach doing this. I hope that is still. Well, I think that's I think that's actually highly relevant because I think when you come into something new, mm-hmm. like when you're in your you know first iteration of something, yeah, maybe there might be mistakes that are made, or maybe you learn and evolve. Yeah, but at the so. same time, you have a fresh perspective because yeah. you're not set in the ways of like, well, it's been done this way. We've done this for the past twenty yeah. five years, so exactly. no, I'm not going to like source from someplace else. Like you're starting from scratch. You have to figure this. Yeah, out. and even Seagulls was Seagulls before. Like we started from scratch in the sense of like menu wise and all our sources. I will go into that when when we go through questions and everything. But like it's completely like a different. But we had to literally do like, of course, when you start a business, you have to do the homework. Like sit down and read about all these like issues and how the health department is involved, how the city is involved, what is our consciousness and like what is our moral stand in this and if we want to profit of this more or less. So it's, it was really interesting like doing, doing, going through the process and sitting down and reading a million of things and pamphlets and talking with people and providers and testing like products. I think that's kind of a good place to start. I mm-hmm. mean, as you know, you know, I've sort of like laid out a little bit of a, an outline here, but I think I think you you jumped all into it already, which is basically like, what is that food buying process like? Well, let's just start there. Okay. Um, so first, uh, that before even thinking of products or food, you have to think and design the menu. So we started there, uh, designing the menu, and hopefully, and this is what we thought, but this is all the credit also goes to Kyle, our chef that he's working there right now was his day off. Like he came in in any ways, was one of our employees cut her finger. Um, she's good, she went to the doctor and everything. But Kyle designed the menu and the main point was to be vegetarian vegan. So there is a lot of vendors or providers that they will not be helpful. And as Seedwells, we wanted to do not only vegan and vegetarian, we wanted to create something that kind of, we can get products that they are local to and some of them as much as we can afford organic so it start from one point there of kyle's chef thinking okay what do you guys want we design the menu i'm going to try to source this in a way that we can 
to the what we call cross utilization utilization of ingredients. So you don't have to. We have a really small space. So for the design of the menu and then the buying all the food, you have to think of the space that you have to store that, and that's really important because, for example, we cannot store pretty much nothing in here because the basement is not done apart from boxes and things like that. Food-wise, it's all upstairs. So you have to think of that and how you can use the same ingredients for different recipes. And that's something that Kyle came in and he's really smart and have a, like, a lot of experience. But that was, it seems like, ah, oh, we don't have a space. Well, we'll put it here and there. It's really important for the health department that you follow the code and for new business owners, you know, you want to literally follow all the rules. So first Kyle, the chef come on with all these ideas and they are all th like they are a theory still. And then when we try the different dishes, we talk about it. And then a couple months after that, the process started of actually uh, when we already tried the, every recipe to sit down with a couple like reps from different like first we started with the big guys. So we have we source ourselves with different places. We have the big guys and then we have the middle guys and then we have the local kind of really Cincinnati and places that we get specific things from them. Um, so first, you talk with them and you test the quality of the product and of course the price. That's something important when we have all this going on food-wise and then my husband Alex, he's the one in charge of numbers. So everything has to, like there is a formula in the kind of the restaurant business, how much you should make out of food, how much you make out of coffee, beverages and alcohol. There is a percentage that applies differently to depending on the product. So whatever you're getting and however you're making, then you're going to price a product $10, $12, but you have to be making 20% of that. So of course, that the profit that we will make is going to be a factor also deciding. But also Kyle, that was our side. Kyle wants the best quality of the product. Yeah. So it has to be like, um, meeting in between of, okay, we want the best, but we cannot just buy a hundred dollar mix. Yeah. Well, and, and it's a really interesting marketplace because it's looking at student population. Yeah. Demographic it's, is yeah. everything that we buy from us. And that's, but that's also the thing. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a wide ranging demographic of yes. customers because you obviously, I mean, this is a fairly wealthy neighborhood, but at the same time, there's a lot of students who live in yeah. the neighborhood. Meeting that is true. Yeah. It's hard when you, yeah, we were thinking, okay, we know that, the, so we, what we decided is we have a couple dishes that are really affordable and we know that the student can pay. And then if somebody with a steady, like a young person with a steady income or somebody already older that they already have their house in Clifton, they're, you know, they're retired, there is options for them too. They're a little bit more elaborate with more ingredients, a little bit more like, you know, fancy. Yeah. It's not fancy, it's a coffee house anyways. But so we have like in yeah, the menu. Yeah, it's a really good coffee. Yeah, the food yeah. is excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's just because we put a guy in charge, like he's a chef, yeah. and he has been working in high-end kitchens for a long, long time, and this was his way to stepping back a little bit and take some time off of being in a kitchen with twenty people, and there's a lot of stress involved in that too. And he also wanted the challenge to do really good vegetarian vegan food. So we meet with different like suppliers and then we try to find a balance between the profit, the quality and the price of all that. And most of our products are organic. 
one of something that uh, that we really, really wanted to make a statement. I think that we make some like we got the word out there. It was in our since we're a coffee house, our coffee supplier. Coffee supplier is a company from Cincinnati that is Seven Hills. And they were, if you read online or you kind of go into the whole fair trade, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, probably you are. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm very yeah. familiar. Yeah. Okay, I didn't want to assume things. But uh, yeah, they were one of the first people that brought the idea of fair trade into Cincinnati, into the coffee game and many other things. So we source all our coffee and our teas. All of them are organic and fair trade. Especially it was important because Alex and me, we were abroad for a while and we visited many teas and coffee plantations around Southeast Asia and South Asia. And it's horrible. They show you kind of like a site as a tourist. And then you also, we spend like months there. And you also talk with the people and then you see them walking without the shoes or carrying their kids and they don't, you know, they don't have minimum weight or anything. So since we're going to be selling a lot of coffee, we thought that we should pair up with a company that has the values where we had them. So, for example, in that sense, it's more expensive for us. Um, and we don't do bottomless. A lot of people expect to a coffee house have bottomless. We have a free coffee deal for less money. So I found that a lot of people are like, oh, cool. Oh, we explain to them. Well, it's fair trade, it's organic. The land that we are buying, that we are buying is more expensive. And they're like, oh, that's cool, that's great. And then you have, of course, the students, like kind of the younger, more demographic. Also, there is some people in their 30s that they are like work with the computers that they don't like that. Kind of people that never buy food, just coffee. <laughs> um, they're like, kind of like giving you up, okay, that's fine. So I think that it's a little bit of both. People that really like that and people that they don't give a crap. So do you like intentionally communicate that? How are you putting that message to your customers? So we pretty much, I, there is a, what we did a couple of times, I'm trying to reinforce it since I work on the floor a lot. First, we started like explaining to our employees what does it mean for trade? What does it mean that it's organic? So every time that somebody ordered a coffee and they kind of know that it's a new person, there is a speech about it, especially uh, when they get interested in our coffee. Then we have the logo certified for trade on our, like on our windows. And then we did a small video on Instagram and pretty much social media. Cool. Uh, so far, to be honest, for six months, the only person that sent us a direct message was the other day somebody said, I'm contemplating going to a coffee store, but it's important for me if it is she didn't use the word fair trade, but she was referring to the same thing. It's a really similar kind of concept. Uh, and if it was organic. That's the only time that we literally received a message of a customer, like making her decision, it was a woman uh, of coming or not because of that. Well, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, that's gotta kind of feel good that, yeah. you know, you're doing the like, right thing. Yeah, <laughs> so. I sent her a bunch of like, I sent, not a bunch, but I sent her a link of our coffee supplier so she could read about it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, have you ever been to Think Coffee in New York? They were one of the first big New York coffee houses that was like. No, I never. I mean, I've never been yeah. to that coffee house in New York. Yeah, they're 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 pretty big now. They've got a bunch of different um, branches, and obviously it's New York City, so there's just like 
bazillions of coffee yeah. places. Um, so it's, it's nothing new anymore. But uh, at yeah, the time, the when, yeah, when I was a student, there was like five locations right by me. So I was basically just like IV and caffeine all day yeah. long. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, when you, I mean, the, the, the purchasing decisions, I guess one thing that I'm curious about going back to that quickly is you've talked about you have like a range of suppliers the, yeah. the, the large scale guys the smaller or sort of the medium size and then like the Cincinnati based are you able to get organic from all of those or is there like these are the you know we can only get the organic you can get the organic from, the, from pretty much anybody anybody it's hard in uh, are, are you familiar with restaurant depot no not really restaurant depot it's a facility in north side okay. and it's where all the kind of local restaurants are like kind of I don't think that any high-end place buys there. It's like a big Walmart for restaurants. You have to have a license and everything. And that's where you see all the, especially, especially uh, all the restaurants, they are like kind of uh, not American. There is a lot of like immigrants buying there, including myself. <laughs> you don't see many like white American people there for some reason. I don't think that the owner of Soto or Nada or yeah, yeah, Any OTR big deals go there because yeah. they have Cisco that supplies everything. Yeah. You can get organic from the big and small guys, though. The big guys, they have all the organic products. Um, and then the big guys also, if you go to Restaurant Depot, you cannot find pretty much any that is biodegradable. We use a lot of cups, a lot of uh, yeah. all that. They don't provide an option so we get that from a specific company that provides all biodegradable recyclable plant-based uh products so that's a like major extra expense because obviously it you is. don't have to do that and the price difference on that is what it's big okay i mean for us it yeah. is for a small like the underdog it is yeah. a company if graders actually like a cincinnati company decided to do that they will lose some money, but then over time it will be good PR and good rev and blah, blah, blah. And it's not a major thing for them. For us, it is. Um, so that is something that we debate a lot because we thought, well, why don't we start with the plastic stuff? And then when we make sure that we're doing a profit, we, we switch to that. And then we felt bad morally and personally. That was just me and Alex feeling bad. And then we started with that and see if we can for, for now, we can afford it. We're doing good. So have you, I mean, but the, the, I guess there's a big question mark when you're looking at cups, and, and you're talking specifically about water cups, right? What are, well, and, and, water and cups, cups and coffee cups, cups yeah. yes, and to-go containers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sleeves, mm -hmm. uh, napkins. Yeah. All yeah. our products are plant-based. Yeah, and that, I mean, there's not really a way around doing to-go coffee cups, is there? You kind of no. have to have... You have to yeah. have it. Yeah. But at least they are paper ones. They're made... Yeah. Yeah. of plants uh, well that's i mean i really respect you know that's that is putting your your money where your mouth is so yeah. that's an important thing but we do. felt like it was the same thing with the meat situation a lot of people is like why you don't still have meat and I, I i cannot go to sleep thinking that i'm selling meat i still feel bad that we sell eggs eggs and cheese so you're vegan person. i am okay you're all in yeah my yeah. husband is not he okay. eats meat occasionally and then he, I wanted to go full vegan, he didn't, so we met in between and decided vegetarian. Okay. I mean, I think for creating a menu, that opens up a lot more possibilities, because it would be, I mean, as a non-vegan, like, 
99.9% of the time vegetarian. I, I would find it to be just my imagination is it would be pretty limiting in terms of yeah. a vegan menu. Yeah. Um, uh, we have a really talented person that is still like all our Satan is 100% vegan. He created out with no use of anything. So you've talked a, a little bit about the challenge, like the whirlwind of licensing and permitting and, and playing by the rules very yeah. closely. Can you explain more about what that process actually looks like? It's, it was really hard. They don't make it easy for you. They don't help you with information. There is nobody answering questions. That is just a person that answers the phone and sends you an email with the things that you have to follow. And then if you don't follow, they get mad at you and then they don't give you the license. We didn't have that problem. We, uh, Alex, opened a restaurant before in not ours. And Kyle opened restaurants before as a chef. So we had a little bit of experience. We still are like new and young. And so it was really frustrating because the health department is to protect us. And the city of Cincinnati has a lot of also like the building department, a lot of rules that they are not just about safety. If there is a fire or a there is also a lot of rules that go hand in hand with the health department, yeah. how to store things that affects the building department. The kind of ventilation that you have to have is health department and building department. So they work together in that sense. They all have different applications that you have to follow and there are hundreds of them. So sometimes it felt like they didn't want you to open your business. And there is a lot of restrictions. And some of them they are to protect, and some of them, as of the business owner, they seem silly, of course. I mean, that's it's this is when we talk about the political. I mean, yeah. that's the thing that always comes up is, oh, we're going to get rid of regulations. You know, somehow, I mean, I think you're seeing that hands on in the sense of, yeah, some of these things are just ridiculous. Some but, of them but they as you are. Point out, but you need a regulation. Exactly. What would happen if? there was no regulation as to how do you keep your food safe. Exactly. And, no, and those yeah. are pretty standard. Like yeah. that's regulated, not just by the health department of Cincinnati. Yeah. Those like, uh, like, um, like there is some like federal, like national wise, then of course depends on the state. And then us, we had to take a couple tests. Really? Yeah. You have to be certified a uh, food handler, managing blah blah blah. blah. Like the know. safe, like the safe service. Safe whatever, safety, yeah. yeah. Serve safe, and then if you're a manager, you just have to have level one. Me and Kyle and Alex needed to have the the three courses. Okay. So it's pretty long, and most of it is focused on meat. So ninety percent of it didn't apply to us. You still need to have that serve safe certification. And some of the regulations are really informative and really good. Um, you need them because then otherwise everybody will leave. And that's a political thing. You can believe in having regulations or not. Other ones, they seem that they were more to actually make money out of you than actually protect you from anything. And then they want you to follow all these rules, of course, but then they don't ask you, they don't, care about your waste they don't care about recycling well see that there you go that's our next like question is i mean what does that even look like because i know that you're supposed to have a, a build out plan right mm -hmm. you're supposed to show like this is where everything's going to go yeah this you is... you need uh blueprints from yeah. everything 
and also blueprints and also you need an engineer doing the blueprints, not just art, like the architect saying, there is going to be a toaster next to the sink. Hazard. You also need an engineer that does all the designs of the electric um, ventilations and everything. So this is a serious undertaking, starting a restaurant business. It, it, it was a lot. We were expecting it to be a lot, but we didn't know that it was going to take so long too. We hire an engineer and architect and they work with us to do all these blueprints. We submitted them. And then they will take forever to get back to us. So that every day that we were not open, we asked. You're losing money. We're losing money. Yeah. So they ask you to follow all these rules. Some of them are extremely silly because they didn't apply to us specifically. So there is a way that we thought that we could bend some things since we didn't have, we don't have a fryer, we don't have meat. They don't care. They want you to follow. And that's okay. It's fair because it's fair for everybody. But also there is no, they don't control your waste. They, they check your grease trap once and then they give you troubles if you don't put, if you have a box in the basement. And I think that it should be more important. My grease trap, the way that I, the products that I use upstairs to clean my dishes, we can have a good company. Most of them are green, uh, like hand soaps and all the like chemicals that we use for flooring dishes. Most of them are green. They have like the certified thing. Most of them, I'm not sure that all of them are. I don't think that the dishwasher has, I don't know. I've tried to use this in our, our house. We've experimented with like the super eco dishwasher stuff. And then yeah. we've experimented with the not super eco dishwasher stuff. And I have to say the not super eco stuff works much better. But it does. I always feel bad. I'm like, man, of you can smell it coming out of the dishwasher. I'm like, oh man, that's, that's terrible for the yeah. universe. But then there is like a couple brain? little things that it's not an eco options like we didn't find any options like the things that you use to there's a ooh, what's the name i should know this it's sorry it's because it's an english name uh you put all your silver work and you soak them before you put them in the dishwasher there is a product for that that we use and every restaurant use some people use the liquids some people use the peels we didn't find in the market any echo or anything but then the health department or the city of cincinnati they don't oh they don't ask you to recycle, first of all. If you want, you can fill up a document and then they send you a recycling thing that they pick up every sometimes two weeks. So how are you going to save all of your stuff to recycle if they're only picking up every two weeks? That's, that's and it's not even guaranteed that they pick it up every two weeks. We separate them and then we, literally me and Alex, or maybe we ask one of our employees to help us take it to the recycling bin, the communal Clifton one. So, I mean, that's, so that's fascinating for me because, so they don't care. What you're saying is there's nothing in all of the regulations that you go through that is actually addressing food waste or any type of trash waste, recycling, anything. Some people don't care. And if they don't have a law for that, and this is the regulation again, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. Some people don't care. And if you don't actually, the city of Cincinnati or the government doesn't ask them to recycle, they will not recycle anymore. So, so in terms of... Obviously, recycling, you guys are going the extra mile from what the city requires since they have no requirements. We try it the best. Sometimes, and, you know, yeah. I don't think that all our employees maybe yeah. follow the whole thing, but we try. Yeah, and it's, sure. I mean, just, it's obviously a lot, you know, to like dig through a trash can or whatever. Nobody wants to do deal with that. But um, specifically thinking about food waste, mm -hmm. how do you manage that? And, and I guess it's sort of a two-part question here. One is where is like how much food waste do you like mm -hmm. in your estimation yeah. 
do you guys have on like a weekly or daily basis? Yeah. And where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. Is it prep, off the tables, and then what are you doing with that? So you have different kind of forms of waste food, I think. Uh, one, like you were saying, is food off the table. Sometimes if something prepares something wrong or the server didn't put a vegan option, you know. And then the main one for many restaurants to figure out is the way you order the food. And then, so we have weekly orders and then we have daily orders and then we have like big orders. We have to also think of who have any special events or who think that we're going to be closed for some holiday or anything. We have a big event, not the fashion show, the tango show. So we order more of a product because we were going to sell more empanadas and wine that day. So pretty much what Kyle did is like sit down with Alex, figure out how much we were selling of everything, how much of things we were not selling that much. And then after the first two weeks or three weeks, he used that as a data to order more of this or less of that. So pretty much it starts like the not wasting thing with us deciding how much to order. It took us a little bit more than actually those three weeks to figure out uh, with coffee, drinks, especially food, because that's the thing that goes bad yeah. pretty much. And then there is, of course, rules about how long you can have a product in store since you open or you prepare it. That's pretty much textbook of health department. Uh, and then there is a process to label food in that sense, where you have to say the ingredients, the day that it was prepared or open, and the day that you have to sell it by not that it's going to expire literally. So in your walk-in, in your walk-in, you've got like a every bag of lettuce or whatever is going to have some type of label on it. We got, we received it this day. We yeah. opened it this day, it and then, however, you do some calculation of okay, this is good for a week. Yeah. So yeah, uh, pretty much uh, we have inventory too. So there is an end of the month inventory for purposes of to see the revenue, how much we bought, how much we sold, how much we have in store, but then it also is small inventories during the the month where it's just to ordering and then me and alex we are we doing the inventory for drinks coffee alcohol all paper supplies and then kyle and one of the line cooks they do that for food wise so and then kyle figure out a way to have and this is relates to designing of the menu recipes that they, we can cut, like cross the yeah. ingredients that's that's key it is. Otherwise, talk about food waste. I mean, that would be impossible. Yeah. It would just be like, how do you know what yeah. to order? Because somebody might order something and somebody doesn't, and then it we, just goes to waste. Yeah. For example, we did a food special uh, for the every. Have you been here for the four Frenchmen? No, I don't think so. Four Frenchmen is like a Cincinnati band, and they like bring a lot of people in. So And these people that can afford food. So every time that they play, one, uh, the first Wednesday of every month, we do a food special. One of the days, it was this holiday half of the van couldn't come so we have less people so we got all these ingredients left from this um, dish that Kyle prepared so he reused that in empanadas for example so you can always recite if things you can recycle them and then we didn't sell much of this pasta then we use that filling for the new special of empanadas for example but then pretty much is really having track of every ingredient that you order and then making sure that you have to order correctly. I know this sounds a little bit silly, but that's, you go, you, like I do, I stand up in front of the alcohol, the beer, the coffee, and I have 
I have like a, I don't know if I have it here. No, it so makes can... sense. It, it seems to me, it seems to me like. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it seems to I me have like, like, that I can show you. that is the challenge. Like when I think about <laughs> trying to wrap my head around anything related to restaurant management, it, to me it seems like ordering is the Yeah, it's the nightmare. key. So you have pretty much, I don't know where it is. Oh, oh. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I forgot that that was the mic. Uh, so you have <coughs> no a weekly inventory that says on hand to order. So at this point, we already know how much we have to have on hand of everything because it's been six months. And then, for example, if we have on hand five pounds of flour, we know and we know that we should have at the beginning of Tuesday 10 pounds. We know we need to order five. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of key having like that system and that was hard to come down with us because we needed like a little bit of experience to that. And there's gotta be some type of restaurant management software or something yeah. you could use for that, yeah. But then pretty much, uh, yeah, Alex had this experience in and Kyle in his previous restaurant, they worked together in another restaurant, like a fancy restaurant in Hyderabad. So we pretty much grab all these kind of formulas and then we tweak them that they will apply to like a coffee house slash restaurant. So that's from starters. Then we have when, uh, the thing is, if something go, goes to the table and the customer slightly touch it or grab it, it has to be thrown away. It has to be thrown away. Yeah. You can always offer to one of the employees, and if they don't mind, they can keep it. Of course, uh, we don't normally people get a bite or something, and then oh, I didn't like this or I didn't blah. So we can, for any circumstances, to put it back into the line. The line is what we call where you do the prep. Yeah for any reason, even if the customer like didn't touch it, we cannot put the chips back away. Like it's literally what they tell you is that you have to throw it away. So proportionally, I mean, is there more food waste from what goes to the table, from prep or from stuff going bad in the, the fridge? Occasionally, like we never got something going bad into the fridge. We kind of have occasionally like a, one of the line cooks that they didn't open the line and look, there was something so they prepare again and then the other one you know, it's pretty occasional. Like I think that being in a, for now, a small operations also work with the same people all the time. And yeah. we have four people working in the kitchen. That helps a lot of the amount of, you don't have 20, you know, a chef, a sous chef and 20 line cooks. Uh, there is, I think there is also sometimes when the employees make a mistake and they printed the incorrect uh, order. Hey, Maxi. Uh, but that, doesn't go to the table. So normally that the employee keeps it. Okay. And then we have a couple, when that happened, if the employee doesn't want it or something or the kitchen person doesn't want it or we don't want it, that it was prepared and it was never taken to the table. We also, sometimes we put it in boxes. We have a group of people that we give them free food that they kind of got used to it. Well, that's nice. Um, yeah. Um, so, so you're trying, I mean, sort of, Every ticking every box before it's gonna go into the trash can. Yeah. Okay. There is, of course, like we were saying, and then there is another food waste that is when the customer eats half of it and they don't want to take it. Yeah. How much do you think in total do you end up with food waste-wise at the end of a week or day? However, if you just had to guess, I mean, is it something that is like, wow, we've got a lot of waste in our trash, or is it like negligible? No. Then they kind of. There is, when you look at the, you know, the trash, there is also like a lot of like produce there. 
not necessarily is weight, it's things that they were like, when they cut things, well, you don't I mean, use like, prep. yeah, yeah. the prep is it. Uh, like I did a project where we actually created natural dyes from the prep from a salad bar. Uh, it's like a, one of those like chopped salad bar restaurant things that they just make salads. And um, we collected one day, it was three large trash cans, like industrial trash can, not like dumpsters, yeah. but like industrial trash can size things full of just cut salad bits like yeah. little tops of beets and the butts yeah. of the lettuce and all of that just that all is going to get cut before yeah it even goes to the line and it was because yeah. they just do a massive business this is in like yeah. a huge huge restaurant yeah. area um and the company is just like going gangbusters but i mean i was astounded it was one day it was just like goodness gracious yeah. this is enough food if you could like put this in a blender you could have smoothies for the rest of your life yeah um, I don't know, you don't have that, I mean, obviously it's a much smaller operation, but I mean, do you get a lot of prep food waste? Uh, that's what I was going to say. That's where most of the waste come from, okay. like parts that you don't use from the lettuce or things like that. But then apart from that, it's, um, I don't think that it's that much. Uh, you have a lot of waste in the sense also when you're cutting parts of an animal too because the bones you don't use the bones or you don't do that or that pretty much what i was going to say it's like maybe parts of like the salad part the greens um but then i don't think that it's like a, one of the items that i'm trying to think of all the dishes and all the things that they i see them do for the, I'm trying to think like something that gets a lot of ingredients is the chili, for example. That is, pot of chili gets a vegan chili, like so many ingredients that is insane. Um, but even for that, he used pretty much everything. So I think that the most waste comes from like the salad side of the line and the preparation. Um, well, and that's where people are gonna see. I mean, you can basically put anything into a chili. Yeah. But if, some, if somebody sees like a nasty part of the lettuce, yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. Fruit too. Fruit, you cannot have it for more than, and if it has like a little brownish thing, you have to throw it away. Mm. I would say that the most waste comes from fruit now that I think about it. If we didn't sell enough of the items with the blueberries or the strawberries, um, or we have a lot of, we go through a lot of lemons and limes, but also like they are required for many of the recipes. But besides those um, lemons and limes, fruit size, um, we use a lot of bananas. But we never waste bananas because they actually use them until they get dark and then those ghosts for the apple, for the banana muffins, the brown, uh, the brown ones. So, yeah, if there's one thing that I'm learning now is to design your menu for every stage. So yeah. when you're when this can no longer go in like yeah. pristine form, we've got an outlet for it. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, for example, yeah, the bananas, the ones that they get brown, they are used for the muffins because you're better. I don't know. I not really know why, but that's how Connor used them, the pastry so, chef. So, if if hi hypothetically, like you were to want to, or I'm, and I'm not saying you should do this because I don't think there's like a system in the city to deal with it at the moment. But I know that there are some initiatives, like there's this go zero thing that people are trying to do. That um, seems very exciting. That is attempting to pick up food waste or, or compost waste from businesses. I don't know if it's in Clifton yet, but. Um, if the city government or you guys were to decide, you know, let's separate out our food waste, is that like an implementable system? I mean, would you have to go to back to the drawing board with the health department to like put a new receptacle there? Like, 
if you wanted to do that, how would you do that? So there is like, um, what's the name? Because right now it just all goes into one trash can, I presume. Uh, that kind, yes. Then we have different, like, for example, for recycling, we have different ones. But then food-wise, yes. Food goes, food-wise goes to the same. So you could just, right now, you could just take that and that could be like, go straight to the compost. It's already separated? All uh, so, for example, we separate, um, there's a couple things that they don't go together. Uh, we have like a waste like grease, oil, or uh, they go in a separate yeah. way because they're so like hooked up with things. Yeah. All the um, pipes. Yeah. <laughs> and it goes to like a trap. And then you can, if you actually have a system for that, you can compost a million things. We compost coffee grounds. It's the only thing that we do. Thing is that it has to be included. There is a name when you start your, um, that you have to meet that to the health department. That is kind of like a map of labor or, it has a freaking name. What was it? Uh, I forgot. But you, it's like a, a flow chart of kitchen and front of the house. In order to do something like that, you have to be included in the flow chart and make sure that it works because everybody has to be on board in that and know where to put things. But that has to be submitted to the health department, your flow charts. So it seems like if if a business really wants to, like, we're going to separate out our food waste, we're going to yeah. compost it. Yeah. The city needs to be on board with that. Yeah. I, I think, like, they sh yeah, but there was... If you want to do it pretty much, it's up to you to design that flow chart. It's not yeah. like okay. they will say no. Okay. I think that Lydia's, uh, I don't know if you have talked with her. I think that Lydia, like, compost some of her stuff. Because she has, problem is also having, like, where your trash goes and you can put a car in there. We don't have that access. But they have, like, a bag, like, parking. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, she does some compost. Okay. Yeah, it's because that was that was the next thing I'm gonna ask is like, how often is your trash picked up? Like, if that were to be a municipal service, you know, is it sounds like they're never picking up recycling hardly ever. You know, two two times no. or twice a month or whatever is is not really gonna work. But is trash pickup more regular? Trash is you can decide that okay. with the Rumkey, but that's okay. between Rumkey and you. Okay, so the city is not so you're paying Rumkey directly. There's not like yeah. it's not a city service that's doing that. No. Okay. So I'm paying like a private company just to pick up my trash every day. Right. You cannot have it every two days or because it produces like it pests. Like. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's definitely even if you, but if if you're putting food waste into that trash, that that could be hypothetically, somebody could be taking that to like it's possible that yeah. that private company could be like, all right, let's just compost this stuff. Yeah. Because that. hundred percent. That I think is the, the goal. Right. Mm -hmm. And then then when you look at circulating that back into a local food system, I mean, that's one of the larger expenses for mm -hmm. an organic farmer, um, particularly those starting out trying to improve their soils yeah. would be compost. And, you know, making comp good compost is maybe a little bit more complicated, but it doesn't have to be. And it, and it can be very inexpensive if basically it's all been all the materials are yeah. already bought and paid for. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, hearing that it's possible. It's just about like a matter of possible. getting, maybe it's a private company, maybe it's a city, maybe it's, you know, it's it's, somebody's. Yeah, it's just that some people don't want to maybe spend the money or also the time or educate their employees properly enough to do it. But I think if you have the space to do it, I think it is pretty, because 
a lot of restaurants, I don't know about Cincinnati, but in other cities, you know, in other cities, I know that there is like, you have to recycle. Yeah. Well, and you're going through all of these hoops anyways, just to get the permitting. So yeah. if the city were to be like, okay, we are going to require food waste pickup. I mean, it, to me, it seems like, all right, well, yes, that's another regulation, but you already are doing all of this stuff. Yeah. And it's a, one of the good ones. I yeah. mean, that would be like a positive one. Yeah. Like they offer you the service of picking up your cycle and they cannot guarantee that will be picked up. They said, the, like the lady on the phone, she's like really nice. We said, we cannot actually guarantee that we will pick it up. Wow. I mean, it, I, it, they, yeah, I mean, the recycling in the city is a whole, a whole separate operation, I guess. And then but... we, they called us because a lot of people also go through and they threw their greater things in there. And then our employees were like stuffing it too much because they don't pick it up. So our employees were maybe, I don't know, some of, not everybody, but a little bit lazy and just didn't smash the box correctly. And then they're like, of course, the actually workers that come and pick it up, they don't want to deal with that mess. And yeah. I understand their side yeah. too. Well, that's why, you know, a larger business, like a big grocery store or something might have like a big baler, like crushes exactly, like, yeah. things down. Yeah, like but, the market you know, or, if, yeah. If you're, you know, a small, a small restaurant, you know, yeah. who's going to have that type of infrastructure? Um, so just to take that back to um, sourcing, I mean, I think you basically answered this, but when you are sourcing from local vendors, I mean, are you able to get products consistently? I mean, is that has been an issue? Because I know you're dealing with like the, the restaurant depot here locally, but you also said you, you might have some like very smaller scale suppliers. I mean, are you going directly to like farms or what do, what do you mean by like sourcing from the small um, scale the thing is it's hard to source yourself with really small like microgreens or grains it's really tricky because those organic things they don't put anything on their vegetables and then that lasts a day you cannot use that tomato two days later um so pretty much all the local sources that we use we never had an issue with our supply it is coffee uh, eggs, uh, apple cider, and then they're not like little small farmers, it's like local places. Then we never had an issue with those. The thing is that there is a lot of organic brands that we use, but they are still like organic enough that they, you know, it doesn't come in up how do you say, like a, like a farmer's market? Yeah, in other words, they're like big enough, you know, because there's large organic productions, like organic yeah. does not necessarily mean Exactly, scale. so depending yeah. of the product, we have more like big guys organic or kind of the small yeah. people. We talk with a lot of, uh, like a micro greens person that have like a small operation, but then she didn't have any way to guarantee us that her product was, you know, legit, pretty much like paper wipes. Yeah. So you have a lot of vendors that come to you and try to sell you things, but sometimes you end up we agreeing with the per the person that comes with like a actually you know like a website and this and that and this is our like customers. This is our, we already supply these three other four restaurants in Cincinnati. Because consistency. I mean, you're making an investment. It's ultimately your money that you're giving to them. So yeah. You know, you can't just be handing somebody cash and hoping that you're going to get a consistent product if it's going on your menu too. I mean, that's yeah. that's critical, right? So, yeah. And it, I, I imagine that, you know, there's... But then we have, like, Restaurant Depot is the most kind of, like, you will find the brands that are, like, national brands. 
then you got the big guys that they supply you, but they have all like local source also products too. Hmm. Like Cisco, they have a lot of like big guys, like milk we don't do local. Uh, the price is significantly different. Like it's insane how different it is and how much milk we use. But then they also have like these like free range or organic little like, you know, local companies. They're still not small companies. Well, I mean, it, it's good to know that the big guys are making the effort to go out there and find alternative sourcing methods that have, you know, local options yeah. that have organic options. I'm, I'm happy to hear that because um, I think that that's a huge way of shifting this forward. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it, we pretty much covered, I think, just about like the, the gambit of understanding the pragmatic elements of actually trying to build a really well thought out food operation, restaurant operation, which you guys have clearly done. And I really yeah. respect that and, and commend you for putting the time <laughs> and effort and money into doing it right. I hope, you know, it, it, it's, it seems like it's been going just from like eating here and hanging out. It seems like it's been going really well. And I hope that it, that it has been, and I hope that it continues to go yeah. really well. I hope that hope the community <laughs> is receptive of it because yeah. that's also something that you're really bringing is a community space. Yeah. Um, hope so and that's that's sort of the last element of the food system it's like how it brings people together so that's exactly a, there is a lot of people um they don't care though maybe i never got a question from the person from a customer asking me about organic like food products they care a lot about paper straws the a couple times it's like no i don't want to use that cup i said i will bring you it's a plant-based cup, but if you like, so we don't waste it, I can bring you like, you know, we do, when we're slow, we use the, our red plastic cups that we have and we reuse and we wash them, like they're like kitchen, you know, restaurant cups. Yeah. But then when we're really busy, some people for brunch, they get water by themselves. And we got a lot of like, like, a, oh, you guys, this is paper, these napkins are, you know, biodegradable. Like people like care a lot about that. Mm. Coffee for trade. We didn't find a lot of like, woohoo. Which is interesting because ultimately it's those food sourcing. I mean, I, I don't know which has a bigger impact. It's like a PhD study in that. But it, yeah, what is the most impact? And yeah. But but I think it's it's interesting, you know, that like the straws have gotten so much attention, which is clearly an important thing. But really, and why I'm asking these questions is because our food system by all accounts, adds up to about 40% of anthropogenic greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah. So it's actually the largest cause of greenhouse gas, yeah. therefore the largest cause of climate change. So it's sort of like that's, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to solve that by getting rid of straws. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we should still get rid of straws. Yeah, but of course, <laughs> people saw the documentary about the whale with a lot of straws in her belly. Yeah. So, you know, like also has like an like a visual impact to that. Um, yeah, no, that's true what you're saying. It's also like a lot of, of these waste come from a privileged country that can afford to waste food, apparently. You go to other countries and... Well, and you've had that you experience. I mean, you talked about that, just that the experience of traveling and... and or even know, coming from a third world country. I mean, I'm not from here. I, I didn't go to school here. I went to college. I graduated from high school in Argentina. I mean, you know, the standards here, it's like... Whew. Where did you grow up in Argentina? Buenos Aires. Okay. I've been there very, very shortly. Oh, very yeah. short period, just like yeah. three days. Yeah. It's a fascinating city. It is. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I never thought that I was going to end up in the U.S. It, it happened that I, I met Alex randomly, and then we stick together. He's from Cincinnati. Wow. Um, but also, it's like being a first world country, like the standards for food are much, you know, and then some of those standards means that you have to waste more too. Well, I mean, that's that's definitely, yeah, I think that's true. It's sort of with with all of these things, you know, come maybe unintended consequences. Yeah. So I think it's important that we examine that. And, and if the health department has these regulations in place that ultimately might be causing food waste in the sense of, oh, well, we can only have this open for five days or whatever yeah. the case may be, and that means it's going to get thrown out, then there should be the next step of regulation or the next step of service that can be provided yeah. to capture that, to plug it back into a holistic yeah. and, and environmentally aware food system. Yeah, so. no, 100%, but I don't think that the city, and this is just my opinion, I don't think that we never got to a person in any of the departments that really was looking or caring about that aspect of the business, wasting, recycling. What are you guys going to do with that? Um, well, hopefully we can we can you know yeah. not have a new doors generation. And, you know, new you know, people was, will go meeting, into office. Yeah, I was meeting with a, with a really really um, cool guy this morning, and I think he's you know, working at Green Umbrella. I think he's got a lot um, of good ideas and, and working toward that. So yeah. hopefully we'll see. And, and I really appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> no, of Thank course. you so much. Yeah. <laughs>